Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and today I wanted to discuss some of the things going on with, well, uh, a lot of, I guess a lot of things that are going on in the news right now, um, but especially in regards to Joe Biden and what he is doing with and for the Roman Catholic Church. And I think that's very important for us to keep in in view as we are looking on at the things that are going on right now it's it's a very it's a very interesting time to be alive in America because it is um, it seems that society is really just coming apart at the seams now and and in a very very strange way there are there are like these two factions of the United States where both are watching the same exact events that are taking place and some are making excuses for it even applauding it and saying it's a good thing because it's going to lead to some kind of change or something uh, while others are mortified by it and it's um, the gap continues to grow into really a, a valley and then a, a, a giant rift between the left and the right, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, what I mean, whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever words you want to use. But, you know, Jesus made it very clear and, and Abraham Lincoln seconded the the notion that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we have here in the United States a division of worldview with basically 50% of the population thinks one way and 50% of the population sees the exact same information and thinks about it a completely different way and that you got to ask yourself, where is that going to lead? Well, Jesus, as, as we, we just pointed out, gave the answer, a house divided itself can't stand. So there's, there's going to have to be some hero that's going to come in and save the day and reunite America because folks, we know as students of prophecy, we know as students of the Bible and studying the spirit of prophecy that it is the United States. The United States doesn't fall apart until after it implements the Sunday law. So the, the United States will be, in some way or another, extremely powerful where it will force the rest of the world to accept a Sunday law. And that's that's not the United States we're seeing right now. We're seeing the, the Daniel 11 chapter right before our eyes, the King of the South and the King of the North. Um, and the King of the South has, is pushing, has been pushing since 1798. And we're seeing the fruits right up into this very day. And... We have a huge problem in the United States and, well, in the really in most of the world in the way people think because people actually don't reason from cause to effect. And, and I don't say that as someone who's looking down upon people or thinking I'm better than people in any way. I'm saying that at, merely as a statement of fact and as someone who can tell you from my own experience that before I became a Christian, I thought the same way. So I know this to be the case, at least with with my generation 
uh, and a good percentage of my generation from the others that I've been in contact with. And I've, I've had, I've been blessed with a very wide range of different individuals. That's what you get when you join the military. Um, and also going to college, I've, I've met a lot of different people and I can tell you the reasoning, and I say this as, a, as someone who's concerned about it uh, in a loving way, uh, but the reasoning, the reasoning abilities to reason something through from cause to effect is almost completely gone. We have masters now who control our minds. That's really what we have. We have somebody's voice or somebody's pen or someone's smile or someone's gesture or someone's orders telling us what to think, what to feel, whether something's right or wrong, what history is true or not, and we're not actually able, like the ability to critically think has been all but lost. And that is a that is a skill that is is one of those sort of use it or lose it sort of things. So you lose the ability to think critically and you, you, you know, you rest and relax and allow somebody else to do it for you. And then you end up with how people are thinking today. And, and what am I talking about? Well, I'm actually talking about the very, very sad and unfortunate truth that there were over a hundred people shot in Chicago just over this last weekend, July 4th weekend over a hundred people now this is this is a city that has some of the strongest gun restrictions in the united states guns are illegal and this is what i mean by reasoning from cause to effect this is an article from cbs2 chicago the title of the article is at least 100 people shot in chicago over independence day weekend and it's by uh the chicago staff july 6th 2021 so this is just this week it says this according to police of the 100 people shot between 5 p.m friday and 5 a.m tuesday 18 of them were killed that's almost 20 percent folks that's almost 20 percent of the people that were shot in chicago that were killed so it's not just being shot, but people dying. That's a lot of people in one city in one weekend, which they're, they're given a couple extra days there. But it goes on. It says on the same weekend in 2020, 79 people were shot and 15 people were killed. Asked if CPD needs to rethink its anti-violence strategy in the wake of the most violent weekend of the year in Chicago, Lightfoot said, that's the mayor, the department already constantly reassesses its tactics and planning. This is what Lightfoot said. Every single day they rethink their strategy. They look at the data. They see where the hot spots are and whether or not their deployments are meeting what the data is showing them in terms of shootings and homicides. So that recalibration that happens literally every single day, she said, but we're fighting a losing battle when we are overwhelmed with the number of illegal firearms that are here in our city, the mayor said. While CPD must do uh, its part in reducing violent crime, she said the city also needs to help, help from courts, prosecutors, community organizations, and more. And she goes on with another quote here. It says, 
It's, a, it's an entire ecosystem that has to be working seamlessly together and operating at the highest possible levels. But we're all fighting a losing battle if the guns keep streaming over the border from the suburbs, from Indiana, and from the southern states. That's why the federal government is uniquely qualified to help us locally fight uh, in this fight against violence, she said. And I don't know if it was her, but, but there was some other individual. I think Andrew Cuomo as well declared an, a public health emergency for gun violence, which is illogical because guns have nothing at all to do with health. They have everything to do with behavior, and you know you don't you don't catch a disease like there's no disease associated with guns, as far as like you, you don't kill somebody, and then the person who saw them get killed, you know then they all of a sudden they have to kill somebody now too, and, they, and there's nothing they can do about it. That's not how it works. Um, but think about this. This is a this is a city, right, that has been run by uh, the Democratic Party for as long as I can remember, um, long time. And again, I want—I just want to say, before we go any further, I am not saying the Republicans are the good guys. Far from it. But let's look at the let's look at the facts here. Uh, it's been a very liberal city. It's been light on crime. There are—they've been forefront one of the forefront cities in the defund the police movement and the being lighter uh, on on criminals. And they've also banned guns. And turns out, it turns out, I know it's, it's ironic, it's strange, it's crazy, but the criminals do not care. See, people that, are, that are, are doing things that are illegal, they don't care whether guns are illegal or not. It's just not going to stop them from getting them. And what do you have? You have more massive bloodshed and deaths. And the mayor, who I think she knows exactly what she's doing. I'm not saying she's part of the, one of these people. She could be. But she. I'm not saying she's one of the people that doesn't reason from cause to effect. I think a lot of the people that listen to this are. Um, because the mayor is literally saying that their problem is illegal guns coming from law-abiding citizens in other states and that the, the federal government needs to step in somehow to overcome this this issue here in Chicago when it when in fact if you go just go to Chicago I'm well probably you don't need to do that <laughs> that probably wouldn't be a good idea but if you were to go to Chicago you would see that it is one of the most gang infested cities in the country. I've had friends from the military in Chicago, and I'll tell you, those are the toughest guys that I ever met. They were really from the streets. And it's very scary uh, world that they, they come out of and that they live in when they're over there. And here's the thing. When people are listening to this, they're, they're just going on right along with whatever agenda is being pumped to them at the time and that's exactly what's going on and that that agenda is we need to ban guns or we need gun restrictions and that that's really what they're pushing and that's really what they're focusing on now and how many people just take that 
They don't think about it critically. They don't think, wait a second, this is a, this is a city that has banned guns. This is a city that has been light on um, law enforcement uh, actually enforcing the law. They've been forefront and defund the police, light on criminals. And this is where the most violence is. People aren't reasoning from cause to effect that way. People are saying, yes, of course, yes. Uh, we got to get rid of the guns that are in the other states now or in the other counties that might be coming over. The fact of the matter is, folks, the, the criminals, they don't care. They don't care what the law is. They don't look at it. They, they want a gun, they get a gun. That's it. But that sort of segues into how the Jesuits work. I mean, they, they will talk out of both sides of their mouth, as, as the saying goes. And Joe Biden, he's no different. He's, he's pushing this agenda. And I found this. This is actually from a while ago. This is from back when he was running for president. It's called, uh, it's from JoeBiden.com. Uh, forward slash Catholics, and this is from, uh, I guess the title of it is, uh, it's from his campaign website, but the title of it is Highlights from Joe Biden's Vision for America. Now, this is addressed specifically to Catholics, and this is what it says. In his encyclical, Laudato Si, now remember, that's the encyclical that's all about climate change and giving the earth a day of rest, which would point to the Sunday law. So it says in his encyclical Laudato Si, Pope Francis directed the global community to raise awareness about the growing climate change crisis. Climate change threatens communities across the country from beachfront coastal towns to rural farms in the heartland. Joe's plan will tackle climate change and pollution to protect our communities. He will ensure that communities harmed by climate change and pollution, particularly communities of color and low income communities, are the first to benefit from his clean economy revolution. He will push the United States to achieve a 100% clean energy economy and reach net zero emissions no later than 2050. No later than 2050. I don't know how he's going to enforce that if he plans on being president until 2050. Of course, none of us believe he has that much longer uh, that he would make it that far, but I think it's interesting that there's there's a, a date set already for that. But anyways, it goes on. Joe's plan will create 10 million good paying jobs in the United States. I don't know where they got that number from. Hold polluters accountable and push other countries to go further on their climate action commitments. He will work to ensure that every American has access to clean drinking water, clean air, and an environment free from pollutants. And every dollar spent towards rebuilding infrastructure will be used to prevent, reduce, and withstand a changing climate. So what does that mean in English? Well, it means this. It means there is this emergency of, of climate change. And of course, the Pope, this is towards, this is addressed to Catholics from his campaign. And of course, Pope Francis in his encyclical Laudato Si, which calls for a rest day within there, um, all of this has all the ringings of Sunday law. But basically, in English, what this is trying to say is all Joe Biden will need to do is take complete control over the government, over the economy, and 
over individuals who they they believe are the bad guys, the holding polluters accountable groups. And that, that requires a lot of power. So all they have to do is just take all the power, take all your rights, and then they can solve the problem. And, and they'll provide 10 million apparently good paying jobs in the United States in the process. So as you can see, Joe Biden is in lockstep completely with Pope Francis and the Vatican and bringing about the Sunday law. Now, again, we don't know exactly how all of this ends up playing out. Joe Biden himself could be somebody who actually introduces a Sunday law through climate change. That's very possible. And I, and I mentioned this before in a lot of my sermons, especially the ones on the Antichrist showdown, in that it doesn't matter which side um, you look at. Both sides are capable of introducing a Sunday law for different reasons. You know, it, you would, if you would, if you go the left way, it would, it would most likely be related to climate change. If you went to the right side of the aisle, it might have something to do with morality and morals and getting back to God, which that's what I see when I read the spirit of prophecy. I see Mrs. White talking about groups that are like a grassroots movement and the, the evangelical Protestant world pressuring the government to impose a Sunday law because they want to impose their morality upon the rest of the world. And it makes sense. It makes sense from a carnal distinction why they would want to do that given the state of affairs that we have going on right now. You know, the Bible is very clear. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It makes sense why there would be a grassroots movement and why there would be a religious, let's call it a revival, false revival movement in the United States where people are trying to get back to God. Um, and it's for the wrong reasons. It's not because they are trying to have a relationship with Christ but it's because they know that the, the country is going straight down the tubes. And that's what we're seeing now. And if you're asking, if you might be looking at some of the things going on and, and upset, I know I was in the past looking at a lot of this stuff, but if you really want to do something, you want to do something about it, you want to make a change, you want to, you want to have an impact on the culture around you, then here's what you can do. You can do what William Tyndale did. And that's have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can work on that relationship. You can work on having proper devotion time, following the eight laws of health, following God's counsels for your life, and just going about and doing his work, going door to door, spreading little books, pamphlets and stuff for people, helping individuals, you know, not just necessarily handing someone a piece of literature and walking away but but you know helping out your neighbors and and being the actual being Jesus in your community you know right in your own neighborhood and that's what you that's that's what you can do to change the world and that does change the world if you look at Martin Luther Martin Luther when he wrote his 95 theses and basically kindled the reformation you can tell that it wasn't him because he wrote his 95 theses in Latin and he did that because he didn't want it read in the, in the common 
vernacular or language of the people because he wanted to open up a debate amongst the scholars over the issue of indulgences. Now, Martin Luther, all he did was, was work within his community, have a relationship with Jesus. He saw something wrong and he wrote a little paper. He nailed it to the, the Wittenberg Chapel. Someone took it, translated it, and it spread like wildfire and eventually kindled the Great Reformation of the 16th century and cut the floor out from underneath Rome and shattered and broke her power. And what did he do? He did nothing but have a relationship with Jesus Christ and stand up for his truth. And it, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that was it's not like he he grabbed a bunch of people and ran into Rome and then called the Pope out to a debate or something like that. He didn't do that. All he did was write a little paper and he didn't even he had no idea. He had no absolutely no idea how far that little paper would go. But again, uh, we're still talking about Joe Biden and the Roman Catholic Church. I was very interested in that articles or the book that I looked at the, a couple weeks ago, which was Jesuit Hollywood by Sean Wilcock. And I took a look at his newsletter from July 4th, uh, this just recent July 4th, his, his ministries is called Bible-Based Ministries. And the title of the newsletter is The Bishop's Dilemma, What to Do About Joe Biden. And he makes the Jesuit connection here, which is very interesting. Says this in his inauguration, uh, his inauguration ceremony began with an invocation prayer delivered by a Jesuit priest, Leo J. O'Donovan, a former president of the Jesuits Georgetown University, and a personal friend of the Biden family. He was the main priestly celebrant at the funeral mass for Biden's son Beau, who died of cancer. But here's the question: Why would a Jesuit priest accept the invitation to pray? at the inauguration of a man who has so blatantly defied the teachings of his church. And why would he even be asked to do so? What it plainly demonstrates is that the Jesuits have no problem with Joe Biden as president. He is their man. The Jesuits are the unseen guiding hands of the Biden uh, presidency. Despite being a hypocrite and a liar, despite fully supporting what Rome officially condemns, and despite being a closet communist and supporter of every evil, deranged, demonic policy now threatening America and the West, despite all this, he is the Jesuits' man. He is actually carrying out their policies. We see the guiding hands of the Jesuits behind these recent events surrounding the ascendancy of Joe Biden. A Jesuit named James Martin, keep that name in mind, Jesuit James Martin, said that Biden's policies do not put him at odds with the Church of Rome, but merely present a different, quote, a different way of being Catholic, end quote. He said he hoped that under Biden, the U.S. would experience a more Catholic culture. Diabolically subtle, considering that Biden rejects some of the most important aspects of Roman Catholicism. The man uses his religion to get his way, nothing more. And liberal and socialist priests and bishops are encouraging him because of what he is doing for them while turning a blind eye to their utter rejection of such vital aspects of the Roman Catholic faith as abortion. But Je Jesuit James Martin, 
for those of you who don't know, he is being considered uh, today in the Roman Catholic Church as he's being heralded as a quote-unquote prophet. And he is talking about the acceptance of LGBTQ plus uh, community within the Roman Catholic Church. And he's been, he's been basically supported by many leaders of the Roman Catholic Church while simultaneously being condemned by others. And, and that's what the Jesuits always do. They'll have plausible deniability so that you can basically you can end up on either side of the either side of the argument and argue that no, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't say this is okay. He's doing it on his own, or you can also say the opposite that it's being progressive. So the factions live within every church. And the Roman Catholic Church is no exception. They are the, well, they are the, the model that they push upon everybody else. But it's interesting, the Jesuit connection, Joe Biden has a Jesuit invited to do the invocation prayer at his inauguration. This was the same Jesuit priest that was at his son's funeral, Beau. And then another Jesuit, James Martin, the LGBTQ plus prophet, if you will, is heralding Joe Biden as this great man and who has a quote unquote new way of being Catholic. And now what he just what just happened this week, just on Tuesday, is now, and this 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 really bothers me, is that Joe Biden is going to be having uh, people try to get people to do the vaccines. They're going to go door to door. They're setting up. I mean, who goes door to door? We're supposed to go door to door. People are supposed to go door to door with the gospel, right? And it's, it's interesting. These, these satanic evil workers are going to go door to door to try to force people to, or pressure them at least, if nothing else, to get vaccinated against COVID-19 a disease that you have less than 1% chance of actually dying from, according to the statistics. This is an article from New York Post from David Marcus. It says, Biden introduces door-to-door -door vaccination effort. President Joe Biden announced Tuesday that his administration would set up efforts to get Americans vaccinated against COVID-19 with a new program that would go door-to-door, -door, literally knocking on doors, urging people to get the shots. During his remarks, the president said that we need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and off times, door by door, literally knocking on doors to encourage vaccination. And like I said, that really bothers me because it's, it's, it's very much a slap in the face to Christians who <clears throat> are not spreading the gospel that are just keeping the gospel to themselves. And here you have here you have government officials, really folks that are working for the Antichrist power, working for the Vatican, working for Rome, working for the Jesuits, and they are going to set up groups, and they're going to be very effective, I guarantee, uh, in going door to door and and publishing their gospel. And once again, you got to ask the question. Why, why are they pushing this so much? There's got to be something off. That's got to bother you. It bothers me that they would want to push this so much. But 
it's all part of the plan, folks, and it's been part of the plan. So we see Joe Biden working. He's he's the second Roman Catholic president. He he got a lot of Roman Catholic votes this last election. Actually, Trump got less Roman Catholic votes this election than he did in the last one. So it does matter if you profess to be Roman Catholic. The Catholics will end up voting for you, especially if Pope Francis gives his seal of approval. But we see Joe Biden, he's, he's right there. He's in lockstep with the Jesuits and with Pope Francis. And it's very possible that we could see a Sunday law. Now, again, you might be asking, wait, what about the King of the South? Well, remember, the King of the South represents communism. It represents atheism and unbelief. So if Joe Biden introduces a Sunday law based on um, climate change or something like that, Catholics could take that and run with it and turn it into a religious thing. And then you will see, perhaps you will see the complete obliteration of atheism, of communism throughout the United States and throughout the entire world. So, I mean, this could happen in a number of ways. You gotta remember in World War II or before World War II when Hitler was rising to power, he was a socialist. So he was a socialist running against communists and the Catholics gave him, Catholic Zentrum Party gave him his power. They needed the Catholic Zentrum Party so the Nazis rose to power, they were socialist, and then they went alt-right. So they were supposed to be, you know, just left of center there, and then they end up totally flipping and going right. We could see something like that happen again. And if we don't, um, in, in the meantime, we will know that it's just by the grace of God that we have each and every day that we have left. So we should not be taking the time that we do have left, which is not much, by not taking our relationship with Jesus Christ very, very seriously, loving God and loving other people and giving them these messages and winning the small battles and doing the day-to-day -day things within your own realm. I know many of us feel like we have to do this great thing, you know, out there in the world. Well, folks, if you, if you can do the little things, if you can be faithful in the little things, he will entrust you with bigger things. So let's do as Martin Luther did. Let's, let's, be, let's be a force for Christ in our own realms of influence, in our own communities, and then perhaps God will call us to write our own 95 theses, and he'll take it and publish it as the leaves of autumn. Who knows? So, folks, we're just about out of time there. So we'll catch you next week. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And keep the faith and fight the good fight. God bless.